Are you guys there? All right. Hey. What, hey. what do you know? 36 minutes later, we got it figured out. We I'm got telling it. you, that, that, was, that was painful, guys. Appreciate your guys' patience. I, I, I mean, I, we felt like we were failing. I, I'm not sure. I mean, it's definitely your fault, but there's no <laughs> doubt about that, DJ. I'm totally kidding. It's always our fault. It's all good. Hey, uh, Bob Phillips, Rennie Doyle, DJ Patterson, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. We needed an official introduction. So, uh, Bob Phillips, tell us who you are. Uh, Bob Phillips, president of PNS Detail Products, located in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, let's see, been doing detailing associated work for 38 years. Wow, nice. Uh, and Mr. Rennie Doyle? For the two people that are listening that don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's probably only two people listening. So, yeah, you know, hey, uh, Rennie Doyle, uh, first off, I'm a husband and a father. Uh, most proud of that. And then uh, I'm a detailer, a habitual entrepreneur. Uh, I've been detailing since uh, 1979. And I don't know how because I'm only 21 years old. <laughs> well, that's hold on. That's mental. That's mental. That, that's dude. That's one year longer than me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so been doing it a long time. Started when I was 13. So we we typically joke around here when somebody lists a uh, date, we typically joke, joke with DJ um, about uh, how old was he at such and such time. <laughs> However, <laughs> I wasn't even born in 79. So. You know, that's not a good thing to tell your guest. Yeah, exactly. You, really, <laughs> you know, you He's guys not, are no. you're, you're relevant. Well, you know what? I was 13, so it makes me feel a little better. There you go. I was going to say kudos to you and uh, say congratulations on making it a career. And that's right. sort of sort of what we wanted to, to, to talk about today. So thank you guys so much for coming on. We've got to first introduce, because this is the Pints and Polishing podcast, um, I see you on Instagram Live, you've got uh, Laganitas. Uh, we do. Look at that. Look at that. Huh? Huh? So, hey, nice. it's time to crack them open? Yeah. Oh, I think so. Okay. Dev, you guys here with us? You guys are 38 minutes late on the cracking open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Well, some of us work for a living. Well, you, you know, know? DJ, maybe, <laughs> we, maybe, maybe if we opened them earlier, we would have figured it out. That's exactly it. So well, what, we're not, what you're not seeing here is that we've actually opened like six of them already. So that's why we couldn't figure it out. Nice. Well, we are in number two ourselves. So uh, we went with the Lagunitas Pilsner, and it's, it's pretty cool because we ran into – oh, you know, uh, he went through your training, and, Bob, he actually buys some stuff from you, Mr. Ian Porter with Red Beard's Detail. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, yeah kind of a big guy, Red uh, Red Beard. Is that the yeah. is that the guy you're talking about? Can't miss him. Can't yeah, miss can't him. miss him, right? He's, 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 he's a brand within his own brand. Exactly. It most definitely is. Uh, we went out to a brewery a couple months ago and we were hanging out just doing some like Saturday afternoon day drinking. And uh, I ran into a guy that I knew from years ago who was a uh, actually funny story. When I was a mobile detailer, 2002. Can you tell that story? Yes. It's, it's going to be full of stories, oh, DJ. Gosh. Be ready. Uh, and Back this guy day. was, he was one of our bartenders because we went into this place because they served $2.25, 32 ounce Miller lights. Oh, wow. Like, so of course, if you go detailing all day in the sun, you go there for like three or four hours and drink as many $2 beers as you can. Wow. This guy is now with Lagunitas. 
and I ran into him. And so he's going to come on later and talk to us about Lagunitas. So it was really cool that you picked that beer out. So kudos to you guys for picking the right beer at the right time. Well, you know, uh, Marty, we picked them because they're, we're close to them. They're in Petaluma, California, and we're in Santa Rosa. So how far away is that? Uh, that's like, uh, what, 15, 20 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're right there. We're right there. Right now, currently. Yeah. Nice. So do you guys ever do beer tours? Have you taken a beer tour? Um, I, uh, I'm embarrassed to say I have not. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Good. I haven't either. Yeah, DJ does. Well, yeah, yeah. You, no, done. no, no we, we did Coors. We did Coors. The Coors tour is like the, the, the cream of the crop. Like, uh. I mean, that's... Ooh, I'm totally kidding. I, I would wow. think, you know, I, I always think they're that's a, that's a big inside joke. Yeah, DJ's favorite beer is Coors. And so when we were in Denver doing some training, they were store bought on a Sunday, you can't buy an Oklahoma type beer. Yeah, well, he wanted to go to the Coors Brewery tour. All the other tours that you can take in Denver and the surrounding uh, Metroplex, he wants to go to the Coors tour. And it was literally the worst one we've ever been to. Absolutely worst decision. Wow. Wow. But Not fun. I, I would imagine their equipment must be incredible, though, right? Tank farm. I mean, your chemical manufacturer, I'm thinking they must have the best stainless, stainless steel tank farm ever ever known to mankind. You are correct. And it goes on for, for like, you can't see how many that are there. Right. The exactly. all that. That's volume. But on, like, if you go to a microbrewery tour, like, they take you back. They show you how it's done. Like, they spend time with you. We get to this one, and they <laughs> yeah. bust you in. And then they give you this like little walkie talkie that you got to go around and listen to a pre-recorded mainstream tour. Yeah. Like we were, we got about halfway there through it and we saw the little drinking room and (laughs) we were like, Oh, we're done with the tour. Let's go. Wow. Wow. Well, truth be known, you won't see me drink too often. I'm not, I'm not much of a drinker. So this is, I'm doing it for you guys. We should have did cigars and podcast or cigars and polishing tonight. Change it up a little bit. You know what? That would work. I, even today, I'm not. I'm don't do as many cigars as I used to either. I'm trying to, you know, trying to leave live a healthy life. I'm too damn busy. That's why I have my hair. I don't. I don't stay stand uh, standing very long, and it just rips right off because I'm moving so fast. Not wearing your beanie day. That's good. I'm not. It's too damn hot. Uh, okay. Too damn hot. Not not right. not beanie season. My favorite story time for DJ. Uh, so Rennie and Bob, you guys probably, you meet so many people at SEMA, you don't remember the time that I met you, but it was the first time that DJ talked me into going to SEMA and we've been walking around, hitting some spots and we walk over to, I'm pretty sure it was the flex booth. Mm -hmm. Just knowing you, Rennie, it probably was the flex booth. And we were in a group, there was just a group of guys. And then, you know, that way SEMA goes, you just start running into people and you're in this group and you're talking and they kind of broke up, and then it literally was just you, me, and DJ chatting. I remember that. No, you do. Yeah, not. I do. Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> it's because it's a rare, it's a rare opportunity to sit down with two, you know, two people that you admire in the industry and have that breath, you know, at a show like that. So now I remember that. So we're sitting there chatting, and the first thought that runs through my head is what the fuck does this guy have on sunglasses for? <laughs> you know why? Because you're still talking about it today. That's why. And <laughs> nice. Exactly. Nice. Cheers. So typically the, what runs through my mind, if I meet somebody that's got sunglasses on, I'm like, okay, what's the deal with this dude? But Rennie, you were actually down to earth. 
you were not like a stereotypical guy that wears his sunglasses inside. And I was like, okay, hold on. Wait, this guy's got some depth to him. And we just kept chatting. And I was like, okay, I like this guy. Like this guy's a cool dude. Thank you. And, and we talked about quite a few things. That was the first time I got introduced to DRC pads. So you recommended them. Yeah. And recommended me go take a right, go down to the end and go down to the left and meet a guy named Bob Phillips. Look at that. And so that's what we did. And I walked over and I was like, hey, uh, I was looking for Bob Phillips. And he's the, the prettiest most... guy in there. Oh, you beat me to it. See? You beat me to it. He's the prettiest guy in there, man. You guys. Hey, Doyle, what do you expect, man? I'll be, I'll be politically correct. Let's that's just leave like it at that. Yeah, he's the prettiest guy in there. Especially, no if, have, especially if you have a few more of these. Then yeah. I start getting pretty. <laughs> he turns around and he goes, I'm Bob. How can I help you? And I'm like. Of course you're Bob. Yeah, of course you're Bob. Is he the coolest Gee. dude in the world? I mean, you talk about down-to-earth guys, though. I mean, that's why – I think that's why Bob and I become such pals is because we just know what we're not. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Bob. We're just here to help people and have fun and build our – like you guys, man. We just want to better our life and enjoy what we do and watch our kids grow and watch our business grow and watch other people's businesses grow. So that was three and a half years ago, Marty. Yeah. 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 Four, wow. yeah. four years. Come and see Unreal. So speaking of SEMA, um, Rennie, please tell us about your Wednesday night cigar thing. So anybody listening, um, we are going to, and I'm going to announce something here in a minute, but we specifically made sure that we did not put it on the night that Rennie does his cigar night. Because no one would come. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, we started, this is going to be our seventh annual, and we started it seven years ago. Just as a way for detailers to come in, we call it our, our, our detailer social, so you don't have to smoke cigars. Uh, it's held at, uh, at the uh, cigar bar in the Mirage, and uh, it, it's really just a way for, you know, I'm going to say probably only 10, 15% of the people there are smoking a cigar, but if you're having drinks, uh, it's a very friendly environment. Uh, this year, we've got had so many suppliers step in, and we want to make it universal to where everybody's welcome, uh, doesn't matter what coding company or pad company or product company or detailer or where you're from or if you're brand new and you're just starting out or you're just starting to look into detailing or you're you know a a 30 plus year pro you know like myself it doesn't matter is put the egos away sit down and meet great people you know what you know what i really like about that event is it's it's really unlabeled i mean it's it's rennie's event but it's really unlabeled it's kind of like everybody in the industry can just go there hang out it's not really sponsored officially, you know, it, no. it, it really by anyone. It doesn't carry that message. So everybody's just there and just kind of lets down their hair and chills. I, I think it's just a really good uh, environment. And there was actually a conversation of changing it this year. As that's really a mistake because people right. know that's, that's yeah. the spot to go and just kind of. Yeah, we had a lot of pressure being, you know, not pressure, but we just have, you know, people, when you, when you start something like that and it, it becomes, um, notable then you know everybody wants a piece of it we just said you know we're gonna we just got great friends people wanted to make it commercial yeah and and we we just i mean i I discussed with rennie it's his event but i said you know the the thing that makes it unique is that it's not commercial that's exactly we want everybody there yeah so i went i went five years ago and i thought it'd be like a commercial like you know a big commercial like blah blah blah. like i really didn't know you too well back you know five years ago but it was a really really dope event so right yeah, and it, it's gotten even better now because there's so many great people, and you know, it's 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 here's what's cool is I I won't mention his name, but there's somebody a real 
notable person in the industry and 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 he's taken a, lo- a lot of load up and he's he's probably where i was 10 years ago and he's kind of cracking a little bit under the pressure man because it's you know there's a lot on your shoulders right and him mm-hmm. and i are over in the corner and a lot of people don't know but we've got tears in our eyes and we're kind of hugging each other because you know i understand is you know he's got young kids and he's being pulled different i get emotional right now he's being pulled different directions and you got to be really careful with that you know and i just unloaded from my heart he unloaded from his heart we're over the corner by ourselves. People are walking up and I'm just kind of, you know, ignoring them for a second just because him and I had this jive going and we only get to talk to each other at SEMA. And it was just an amazing time. And and I think that's what woke me up to where it's like, hey, man, this thing's become special because people can go and, and just relax, let their guard down. And we're just detailers. Nice. I like it. So we didn't want to, like I said, we're going to announce tonight, which is why, you know, fun is we wanted to definitely out of respect, as well as like DJ said, we didn't want to compete for a night. Uh, We are going to be doing our competition. It wouldn't be a competition, right? Like, so uh, we're going to do a precursor. So we're going to be on Tuesday night. Mm We're going to do a pints and polishing podcast event at SEMA. Cool. And we are going to do it at the Gordon Biersch Brewery. Oh, cool. It's a really cool little restaurant that has their own beer. And it's going to be from 8 to 10 o'clock on Tuesday night. Unlimited beer for two hours. So Dude. The Man, first I, 70... Marty, I've probably only been there about 50 times. Yeah, so wow. I don't know guys. where it's at. Hey, you know what? Let's knock yours out of the park. How about you come to, we're going to come support yours. We'll definitely be there. How's that? Why don't you come up and set your, uh, do a short podcast and introduce some people at ours that, as they're walking in. Sounds like a great plan, man. Dude, would that be fun or what? And yeah. you know what I want to do is introduce the new people, man. All of us know, you know, the guys that the cats that have been around for a long time, let's get some, not even young. Cause a lot of people coming into the industry are, are retiring out of corporate jobs or just got burned yep. out and just, Get the new blood in there, the people that are new to the industry. They're the ones that are going to take and breathe life into us. Let's just get some of them in and give them a taste of where the industry's going, dude. You know? Love it. Is Love that it. cool or what? Dance Absolutely. Really cool. Definitely. I got chills. I got chills. Got chills. <laughs> That's because you don't have your beanie on. Yeah, How, it's cool. You guys must be selling a lot of product over there. You're buying all that beer on the Tuesday night. Wow, Bob. Oh, <laughs> sorry, man. You guys must be successful. What's going on? You can't be successful in this business, right? Uh, you you can continue to invest and reinvest without taking too much for yourself. There you Hell go. Yeah. There you right? go. Right? It's about putting back yeah. in, but still building a life for yourself. Yeah. Um, so well, if, that's if actually, you need a couple dollars for some beer, I, I know a guy. Yeah, we yeah. <laughs> we have a couple we got a couple guys that will help. Help, uh, help fund the, help fund the outreach. I appreciate it, man. I really do. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's hop into our topic. Um, we, we want to, you know, definitely hearing, we'd love to hear both of your guys' stories. Um, Bob, let's start with you. Tell us how you got into, it's a family business, right? How, like, did you get dragged into it? You wanted to be into it. What, what was that transition like as you growing up, um, Tell us, tell us back in the day. You know, I, I definitely didn't get dragged into it. That's for sure. Um, you know, my dad uh, ran a small company that was, you know, selling automotive uh, detailing chemicals. And I was the typical kid that went to high school, went to, went to college. And, and, uh, but in, in that era, 
um, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily lost, but I didn't have necessarily a direction that I was going to go. And so I was just, you know, it was just a hardworking kid. I, I went to junior college. I played sports. I played football there. I loved it. And I got, I got offers to go to a, a four-year school, but basically my dad said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I really don't know, dad. Okay. And I said, Bob, I, Bob, I said, I like your Bob, business. Go ahead. What position did you play? Oh, you're not even going to believe it. I'm not going to tell you. Actually, we had, we had, uh, that's another thing that we have yeah, in common. common. Not. Yeah, I, I actually played for uh, the, the top, uh, top college in California. It's a small school called College of San Mateo, and I was a right guard. Believe that, right? You, wait, how much did you weigh as a right guard? <laughs> I, was, uh, I was the smallest, I think, right guard in history. Right. But uh, <laughs> it was because I went there, and um, the, I knew the coach. And, you know, I thought I was going to be a linebacker like everybody else, but they had, like, you know, 50 linebackers. Right. So I really didn't have a chance there. So I, I said, well, I'll, I'll just go over and, you know, try and play offensive line. And, and so, you know, I did. But it was a lot of fun. Pulling guard a bit. Pulling guard, yeah. We, we, we did a lot of passing, not a lot of run blocking. I couldn't yeah. push anybody Pulling around. Guard. I just, Pulling guard. I just used their weight to steer them, right? Nice. So anyway, but uh, so I was, um, you know, and then my dad asked what I was going to do. And I said, well, I don't know, Dad. And he says, well, I, I got a good job for you. So I just literally just started working for my dad right out of, right out of uh, junior college. And, uh, what year yeah. We lose you guys? No. What year was oh, it? Oh, let's see. That was uh, 1982. Cool. 1982. So, yeah, you guys weren't around then. No. No, I was. All right. I was four years. I was watching Dukes of Hazard every Friday <laughs> night. Oh, you better believe it. What's that? Every Friday night. Dukes of Hazard? I'm totally kidding. Yeah, we, we know, know, watch, we know yeah, who you're you were watching, watching the Dukes of with, the, with the shorts. That's all you're doing. Daisy Dukes, baby. Oh, no ah. doubt about it. My first dog was named Daisy. Oh, yeah. That tells you a lot then. Definitely. So then, you know, uh, my, my dad had a – it's kind of interesting. I'm actually sitting in a company where uh, the, the founder here actually worked for my dad as an original warehouseman, and I actually went to work for him. And um, so, um, you know, I, my dad had a really great, uh, you know, business philosophy and character about him. And, you know, I, I just – I really loved working there. And, you know, he instilled a lot of passion in me. And then, you know, I just wanted first job. Like, what'd you do? Oh, I was a, I was a sales rep selling chemicals in the city of San Francisco. That was my territory. So so like cold calls to dealers. Well, I didn't have to do a lot of cold calls because the the business was, you know, relatively established, but then I did grow the business. Uh, The company was well established in the city of San Francisco, but it was a, it was a really different time. You can imagine I was 20 years old. And, um, you know, the dealerships in the city of San Francisco were vertical, right? So I had to learn how to drive, you know, cars up a, a ramp, the, the van up the ramp, car elevators, man lifts, all that stuff. You know, the detail shop, no different than it is now. The, you know, the detail shop is in the top floor in the corner, like just like it is now. The dealership is in the back right corner or left quarter of the dealership, but it was on the top floor. So it was a great, you know, great learning experience. And, and you know, for nine years I did that and I – you know, I, I love the industry because I met some of the most passionate, dedicated people. Not it's not that different than it is now. You know, it was just, you know, the cars were different. The techniques were different, but still dedicated, hardworking people that I really uh, made great friends with. And that just kind of connected me with the industry. And I never quit. Wow. Obviously. Wow. That's awesome. So when did you take over as president? You know, that was that was probably about 1997, I think. 
Yeah, 1997, my brother and I wrote a business plan about building a new manufacturing facility, and my dad was just about ready to retire. Um, and so we wrote this business plan. I, I didn't really have any money. My brother didn't really have any money. We were young. And we wrote a business plan about building a new manufacturing facility. And my dad, one of the, one of the characters my dad had is he made decisions without fear. Uh, so, um, you know, the little things bothered him, but the big things didn't bother him <laughs> at all. So when we came back to him and said, well, Dad, you know, we're ready. We know you're ready to retire. And uh, that would be really sweet. But uh, your sons that don't have any money basically want you to spend all your retirement money and invest in building a new factory. And, he, and he, he thought for about 30 seconds. He read the business plan. He looked at this. He goes, you know, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And so that, that spawned. Oh. That's that Okay. That, kudos to your yeah. dad. That's, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. And, and, and he, I mean, he totally invested in us. And, and quite frankly, guys, I mean, my brother's a really smart guy. He's a chemist. But he had never built a manufacturing report. Uh, factory. I'd never done it. So we just, we just figured out how to do it. And, and we build, we're still in that building today. Wow. Let me tell you from the outsiders looking in, the Phillips family is a really special family. And I never got to meet, you know, Bob's dad. I've gotten to meet his mom. But what he instilled, what they instilled as parents into these boys uh, is incredible. And I think what you see is, is when you meet Bob and Dave, it's obvious that they came from pretty good, uh, pretty good heritage of, of people. And uh, the, it's, it's bled all the way through their company. Uh, you come down to their, we're in a distributor's office right now, and it's all the way through the, their distributors, too, and it's the way the, they treat them. It's, it's the character that my dad started, and it's really, I mean, it's really tight here in Northern California because most of the distributors that are here spawn from that company, and they've just, you know, carried on that tradition of, you know, do right by the customer, right? That's the bottom line. And so we've, we've done that ever since, yeah. Yeah, but I think I think what's impressive about what you guys did and then what your dad did, which is what DJ is kind of hinting on, is when we DM back and forth on Instagram with different detailers and they're like, you know, how do I how do I jump? You know, when do I know when it is to jump in full time or when do I know that I should quit my job and do this or, hey, I, I really think I want to do some detailing, but when do I do it? And and there's really not a magical answer. I think it's innate. I think that if an entrepreneur or a business person or somebody that wants to go do it, I don't even think that like, that's the cool thing about your dad is he looked at it. He took a moment. He studied it a whole 30 seconds. It doesn't matter. Like that's all the time he know, needed awesome. to be able to make an impulsive decision that he knew in his gut was right. Yeah. And he Yep. And so there's so many people that just sit on the sidelines because they're not ready to jump. They want to put one foot in or, or kind of double into it, but really to make something successful and which is sort of the, the, the main premise of what we want to talk about tonight is how do you make a career out of this industry that we call auto detailing? One of the first steps that anybody should take is, to not take a little step, but to just jump don't, in. Don't, don't get in the kiddie pool. Jump in the deep. Yeah. Well, you, you guys, you, you, make a, you make a really interesting point. Something that is interesting for myself and my brother is that, you know, we've been in this business a long time and our business was going a certain direction, but it wasn't until we trained with Rennie. And really, Rennie Doyle gave us the courage to reinvent our business. 
we're, we're very awesome. successful selling detailing chemicals, but I said, yeah. Hey, we got to get back in the game. You know, mm-hmm. we gotta, we gotta take, we gotta take risks. And we, and ever since we trained with Rennie, it, uh, dude, don't, don't even do that. You're going to make, get me all emotional. Yeah, right? but no, seriously, emotional. no, ever since we trained with Rennie and that's what I tell detailers, I go, look, it, it, Rennie's week long event is not about detailing cars, guys. It's about looking forward, changing your business and diving in head first. And now I walked out of Rennie's training and I said to myself, and I'll never forget it. I said, I am not going to accept. I'm just not going to say no anymore. I'm going to say, yes, that's a good idea and move forward. And we've moved forward and it takes, you know, it takes a lot of courage to do that stuff. I mean, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying that I understand where these guys are coming from. You know, you, you dive in head first and people around you push you and you're like, you know, once you got your pedal on, once you got your foot on the, the pedal, the gas pedal, you got to keep going. Right. And that's, that's the hard part is keeping going. But uh, no, I, we, we wouldn't be in the position where we are today. If it wasn't for any, he, he re-inspired us. That's awesome. All right. So let's, let's, let's rotate over. Rennie, tell us, I mean, what age you said 13 is when you got into the detailing. Yeah, completely by accident. Okay. That's what I want to know. Like, what was the story? I mean, mine was definitely like, mine was definitely by accident here on the podcast. We talk about it all the time. I was just at dinner with a buddy I was miserable. He's like, hey, why don't you buy a power washer and start cleaning cars? I seen some people do it. He could have told me, go buy a sewing machine. I happened to just go buy a power washer, and I just started cleaning a car. Next thing I knew, I fell in love with the process. That was 2002. So you're, you're at age 13. What, like, what was the, what was the, the, the initial spark that brought you? You know, uh... Tell people I, uh, I'm going to write a book one of these days called Born Poor, but I never knew it. Um, I had a grandma, thank God, I didn't have a, 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 a I didn't have a, a, a real, what a lot of people would call a classic way of growing up. I didn't have a dad at home. Um, my mom was a mess because of my dad, uh, but I had a great Italian grandma that just loved the hell out of me. And she didn't, she had no limits, man. We could, I could do, I was, I was, my brothers are 10 and you know, almost 13 years older than me. So I was kind of the only kid. We didn't have Jack, but we, we had a lot of fun, you know, and if, you know, I, I worked um, since I was, I started my first like job, job cleaning up uh, a, a parking lot and a supermarket um, every day and watering trees, believe it or not, because there wasn't a hose close enough. So I had to carry buckets. So I think that's where I got my legs from was carrying all those water buckets later. Turned out it's good training for football. Bob and I've got that background, you know, together playing college football. Uh, Where'd I played at, uh, I'm going to say this, but I want to remind you that when I played, there was a different world, but I played at Boise State. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, oh, no, nice. no, no, no. It was Smurf Turk was know, the first year. Marty, when I said College of San Mateo, you did not say, oh, wow, when I played football. Well, you didn't beat, Oklahoma. Ah. You didn't beat, you didn't beat Oklahoma. <laughs> In the greatest game ever played, <laughs> exactly by the way. It. Yeah, exactly oh, it. you guys are from Oklahoma. Bob? Yeah. Bob, yeah. I'm going to tell you the school that I played for, and you're not going to say, oh, wow, either. <laughs> Who did you play for? Not even open anymore, are they? Yeah, they're open. They're Actually, open. Done... They they surprisingly did a lot better after I left. It's really interesting. Mine too. Oh, shit. Uh, I played uh, football and baseball at Washtenaw Baptist oh. University, the metropolis of Arkadelphia, Arkansas. Yeah, right on. Nice. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been to Arkadelphia, I can tell you that. Yeah. Have- Really? Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. It 
it's not the craziest town. You have two universities in a town of 10,000 people. Wow. wow. Yeah, there's, there's a highway that divides them. And so there was always a battle of the ravine and we would always play each other. Um, and literally two universities in a town of 10,000 people. And that 10,000 people, there was more cattle than there were actual people. Marty, how old are this you? Uh, I just turned 40 back in April. Right on. Yeah. Oh, this is him. Yeah, he's whistling. DJ, what is he over the hill? Holy crap. He's not farting dust, DJ. Don't worry about it. I mean, he. Uh, hey, you know what? You know what Carol Shelby you know told me one time? All the time? You know what Carol Shelby told me one time? I asked him at SEMA. This is before you guys, you know, SEMA, there's only like six detailers at SEMA. And the guy, yeah. buddy of mine, Rod Leitner, um, and Jim Gogan were walking around. Jim walked somewhere else. Rod and I were there. We ran smack into Carol Shelby by himself. So I had the nerve to ask him. I said, Mr. Shelby, if you could give an entrepreneur. I was kind of like, I think I was like 40 at the time. So this is like 12 years ago. And I was kind of feeling a little pressure to get to the next level, right? You hit 40 and things change a little bit. And <laughs> I told him that. And he started laughing. And he goes, son, how old are you? And I said, 40. He goes, son, you're still retarded. He says, you're, <laughs> you're going to be stupid until you're about 50. You won't get really smart till you're about 60. At 70, you're brilliant. And you're making so much money, it doesn't even count. And then you die. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, hold on, Mr. Shelby. How old are you? And he goes, I'm 84. But you know what? I don't count. And I thought, how cool is that, man? I think it's true. It's got to be. I, you know, no, I, I'm, 50, I I'm 52, I man. And I'll tell you what, um, Bob, right you're now. right there with me. I mean, we're, you know what? I mean, I'm, I feel, I mean, prime in my career. Yeah. I feel right now. I just feel that, you know what? It's the, uh, I feel like I'm my third year in the NFL where you just got everything dialed in. You got the speed down. You've got the plays down. I, I just feel at this age that it, 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 if it gets better, it's unreal. It's clicking. It's, it's clicking. clicking. That's motivation for us. Young well, guys, I wish man. you could have done it when I was 30. Yeah. 30. Right, so that's that's DJ's age, which is what's 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 funny is you guys being and Bob. The last time I saw, uh, no, that was Mobile Tech. So I saw you at the car wash show, but then at Mobile Tech last year, we had just about two minutes where people weren't bombarding you, and we had about a two minute conversation. And I said, "Hey, Bob, so I mean, literally, how old are you? Because you look like you're 35." Right. Yeah, you're, you're 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 54, and I was just like, "Holy crap!" Marty like, went Marty went to the gym like immediately when he got home. <laughs> <laughs> signed up at the most expensive gym facility in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and hasn't been back since. Just keep drinking yeah. the Kool Aid. That's it. I drink too much Kool Aid. Yeah, <laughs> it's usually uh, like uh, fermented water that has yeast in it. There you go. Right. Right. Yeah. right. All right, so I think, uh, which is traditional in this podcast, we chase a lot of rabbits. Um, a lot of rabbits chasing. You were talking about that you you went and played football at Boise State. Yeah, you know what's cool is that, you know, I ran out, we'll go back, and my grandma always, you know, she raised me to be adventurous. I lived on a bicycle. A lot of kids in the, you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s did. I was really into the BMX thing. I got a mongoose, you know, and it was it was nickel-plated. Nickel Tough wheels? Uh, I had, yeah, I had big wheels, you know, we wore those things out and we, we know I wasn't a thief, but I, I, yeah. I, I didn't believe in stealing big wheels, but you're ready, you're ready. hold on. Did you have pegs? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have pegs. Oh. Yeah. Now get this. 
we well, pegs were coming around. We couldn't afford it. So we went down to a rebar shop and they had these things that they screw rebar together when they thread them. And that's, they, they made us pegs because we didn't have the money. Wow. Oh, it's cool, dude. Yeah. Even in the eighties when I was good, like you, there was not everybody. Had no. pegs. So, okay. So, well, in my day, when I, when I was growing up, pegs came with bikes. Yeah. Yeah. So now my daughter, yeah, yeah. when I got her a bike, she has pegs and she thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I was like, yeah, that is pretty cool because I didn't have no, pegs as no. a kid. I, oh, yeah, old. yeah, I was, dude. It was really. It was on. He was the that had to drive everybody around oh, because we would hop on the back of his bike. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was, no, it was yeah. So I mean, so we were we were out one day, a good friend of ours, uh, a whole bunch of us, and we saw this plane doing aerobatics, and uh, we decided to take off and try to find it. We didn't, and Danny Wood, a good friend of mine. Uh, we took off the next Sunday morning and we, we were, ended up riding over nine miles. We found this little airport and I was just hooked, man. And so I hung around the airport. Uh, the next weekend I rode my bike back and uh, all of a sudden. Your first show was at an airport. It was an airport. Yeah. Yeah. So I just kept hanging out and this, uh, this, this older guy, you know, at the time he was probably in his forties or fifties. He comes out to me and he, he's like, kid, why are you, why are you hanging out? Yeah. I was a scrappy kid, long hair, you know, and, had a badass bike, but uh, he's uh, he's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm just watching the airplanes. He said, why don't you learn to, to fly? And I was like, well, does it cost money? And he goes, yeah, it costs money. And I said, well, I don't have any money. And he says, well, are you lazy? And I went, no, sir. And uh, he said, well, come on out. So he put me to work washing airplanes. And I worked my butt off. I think I washed three airplanes that day. He kind of showed me how to do it. And at the end of the day, he says, hey, um, come with me. And he put me in his airplane, took me up for a ride. I was hooked. So get this. This is coincidence. So I, you know, I, I kept working. I kept build, building, you know, doing, doing more and more detailing uh, or really washing airplanes that first year. And then um, I made a cart to tow behind my bike and I got my first polisher and I started detailing airplanes. And then what, what's every airplane owner have is, you know, a car too, right? So I started doing cars. And um, so, you know, finally, I'd known this guy's name was Art. And, uh, man, he just seemed like he always had a crowd around him. Like he was kind of like what your dad was. He just, he was kind of a, he's kind of like just what you pictured men of the sixties and seventies. You know what I'm saying? Just right. perfect. Right. Yeah. So I, so I said, that leather coat that would like, I remember my dad, my coat and jacket. Yeah. Okay. Well, either jacket. way, like there was in the seventies, there was that leather jacket, not, not like the sixties leather jacket that was like rugged. Yeah. It was like a, refined okay. nice yeah like little. a smoking a, jacket like type thing like a, a gentleman's like jacket better yeah. yeah so he he was this level so i started talking to him and i'm probably 16 at the time and i go you know hey man what's so you know art what's your deal what you know what is it so he's a professor he taught aviation at the local college but what he was was he's a stunt pilot and he told me rennie i won the first world championship aerobatic championship for america ever and so he says, I'm a stunt pilot, but I do commercials. And he says, I'm actually filming this movie right now that's going to come out. And I think it's going to be a, a real show buster. I think it's going to be, it's got this young actor named Tom Cruise in it. And I'm doing all the, I'm doing all the air to air in it. And he says, you know, no way, no way. It's called Top Gun. Is this a portion of the podcast? Or is this no, this real? is for real. So get this. Now, this is kind of a sad story. So, so I was blown away. You know, I was like, man, this dude just impressed the heck out of me. So we become him and, and Jody is uh, uh, Judy. Uh, Judy had been really close. Uh, Art, their uh, Judy and Art Scholl. 
So he'd been almost like, you know, I didn't have a dad around. And I won't say, you know, he had kids my age, so it wasn't like a dad, but I definitely respected him. He respected me, and um, he helped me out a lot. You know, he gave me a lot of, of, of discipline. So 1986 rolls around. I was playing junior college football. I just sold my detailing company because I was going to go to Boise State and try to play some football. And I made a bunch of – Say 80. What's that? Oh, that's why I was asking earlier. What year? 1986. So 79s okay. when I started out at the airport. All these years later, I built up a Spectrum Detailing was the name of my company. Uh, and I sold it to the company that's still existing, Redlands Detailing uh, in, in Redlands, California. They bought me, at, they How bought much me out. California? And it was right in the heart of Southern California. And uh, Hey, we got 1980. Like, how much did you sell it for in the 80s? Um, I think going back, it's, you know, uh, I, th- I think it was 79,000 bucks. That's wow. good money. I think I got 79,000 yeah, yeah, 79, bucks. Now, granted, I only had like 14 bucks into it. Because when you're a bright yeah, young a- kid and you're around pilots and you do a good job, a lot of my equipment was given to me, honestly. Just because, I, you know what, I was a, I was a good kid, man. I was, and, and, you know, I just had a yeah. lot of people help me out. I think that's why I'm so committed to helping other people is because – that's so awesome. many people got me my start. So, but I woke up to a horror story, man. So check this out in the movie Top Gun. Remember what happens to Goose? Goose goes out, you know, yeah. and he gets, he gets, they get caught in the splat spin. Uh, they eject out, Goose gets killed. Well, my mentor, he went out during that shooting. He did all the, the flat spin and his actual aerobatic airplane in that. And the, the movie was a wrap. They had it done. And he went back to the, uh, to, to the producers and said, hey, I don't like that. The way that flat spin turned out, I'm going to reshoot it. And they go, man, no, don't worry about it. It's fine. He goes, no, it turned out better. So he, you know, Chase Plane, went out. They went down to San Diego off the coast. They reshot the flat spin. And as the Chase Plane, the film plane, went by, Art radioed in. And he says, hey, I got problems. And then his second last broadcast was, I've got real problems. And the plane went down. They never found uh, the plane or his remains. It crashed in the Pacific, and Art was killed. Oh my gosh. So I lost. It was a pretty shocking time for me. It was the first big loss of my life, second big loss of my life. And, uh, but you know what the dude just, you know, Judy, I'm still close to Judy. I go down the, the, the original plane that I learned to fly in still there. She starts, I don't know if she has it now, but she did just a few years ago. And, uh, I've gotten to see her several times and they give the art show award away every year. Um, his planes in the, you know, in the Smithsonian, I got to detail that. Um, so, you know, his, his legend lives on in me and, and he, and it, and it changed my life. And I can't, I can't tell you how many other lives it's changed just because of what he instilled in that, that long haired kid, you know, out of Colton, California. How old were you? How old were you? Uh, 1986, I was 20 when he died. I just, re- just before my 20th birthday, he died right before my 20th. I was actually 19. So that's a very big blow for a 20 year old. Yeah. Yeah, the month what, before that what, had happened, like, I think it was, actually he died in 1985. So I was, I was actually 18, I believe, when he died. I think it was right before my 19th birthday, and then months later, I lost my best friend in a car accident. So it was a it was a rough time. It was a weird time to adjust to things, and 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 you know. But at the same time, I just sold this company for all this money, and um, I'm going off to play football. And like any poor kid does, guess what? I went invested in a Porsche. That? A lot of. A Porsche. What? I was about to say, and a car yeah. didn't. Yeah, I went and bought a Porsche, you know? So I was broke and in college and had a badass car. Mm-hmm. I've done the same thing, right? Oh, yeah. I do it again, go, because it started to 
it started a passion in the automobile that you know is still alive in my in me today it's a big part of my success it was stupid okay. so it's stupid I mean, yeah. yeah so that's what dj and i go back and forth on all quite a bit time. all the time like I at 38 was the first time I actually did a first mod on a vehicle. People make fun of me because I am literally not a car guy. Like I've driven white vehicles. Like I drove cars that my dad just painted to be painted out of his garage, um, would fix them. Like you guys remember before Google and the internet, if you had to fix a car and you were like a DIY guy, you You bought the manual. yeah, yeah, you bought a huge, like, four-inch thick manual. Right. right, yeah. And my dad, he had not – he quit working for a company that wanted to move him to Chicago. And he was like, no, I don't want to raise kids in Chicago. And he started a financial advising business where he just basically, in order to do it, he went around and knocked door to door. Well, we were poor, too. Like, we had zero money through my – childhood and whenever there was car problems he would go get this big giant freaking book and sit there and study to learn how to fix the car that's cool so car that i went to college in was something that he just kind of pieced together um and then like the he he, they bought a bronco two if you know those and it needed paint but he didn't have the money to pay for the paint so he literally learned how to paint the vehicle in the garage and he drove it to me in college and it was navy blue with that stripe like i loved it and he showed up with this giant rash all over him because he i mean that's just the way what like he was trying to learn how to paint a car so that his son could have a car. wow that's cool man that's cool so i he definitely like we basically come similar stories like you know, and that's sort of where when Bob was when I when Bob and I were talking the other day and we figured trying to figure out what we could talk about for a podcast, like coming out of and DJ starting his detail business out of the back of a 99, 99 contour, bro. contour, <laughs> you know, how can somebody and the premise of the, you know, the podcast is how can people that come from virtually zero in society how can we develop a lifestyle, develop a career out of auto detailing? And that's, you know, we're 40 minutes into a conversation, Bob. I think you were like, yeah, we got like 20 minutes. Well, sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we do that other yeah, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, that hearing both your guys' story, um, DJ's story in a nutshell was he was working at a car wash, you know, and that's how he got into detailing. For me, you know, I kind of shared mine a second ago, but so before we go into the next segment, right, this is a pints podcast. So have you guys tasted your beer? What can you got? What can you guys tell us about the beer that you guys are drinking? Bob, you want to start off? Oh, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm drinking Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, which is a, you know, very popular beer. It's brewed in Chico, California. Um, and this is kind of their mainstay beer, this guy right here. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a it's a pale ale with kind of a pine nut flavor to it. Um, it's pretty popular. Uh, it's it's actually one of my favorite beers. Sometimes you get a little tired of it because the pine nut gets a little powerful. Right, yeah, I hear yeah. people say like, you know, I'm tired of tasting pine cones, but uh, no, it's a very very enjoyable beer, very smooth. I've got the India uh, pale ale and uh, your next guest, and I'll tell you what, it's really smooth. Uh, it goes down easy, nice and flavorful. 
not too many hints of anything specific, just a nice blend. Uh, truth be told, ours could be a little colder because they were outside in the truck yeah. while we were giving we're, a seminar, it's so they're kind of hot. Drink, yeah, we're, we're, we're drinking a German. So, Rennie, do you traditionally like IPAs? You no, know, I'll be I'll be direct. I'm not much of a drinker. Um, I drink on occasion with friends socially. It's very it's not very often. Uh, my family history has got a lot of uh, substance abuse in it. Um, I don't, and it just at a as a teenager, I decided to stay away from. Uh, I was addicted to business, uh, money, and girls, and I decided that was enough. And 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 mountaineering, search and rescue. Uh, I had enough addictions to, to stay away. So I don't drink too often, just out of choice. I'm really fortunate because since I didn't drink too much when I was young uh, and, 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 and in my 20s, I never really developed a taste for it. I, I enjoy occasional beer, and that's about it. Nice. DJ, what do you think of the Laguntas Pilsner? It says it's a Czech-style Pilsner. We will find out later what Czech means, but uh, what do you think of the beer? Uh it's just a neutral beer. It's really good. It's not too it's easy. It, yeah, it's just not too hoppy. It's not too. It's it's just a nice beer. And you probably like it, which we talked about earlier. I mean, a pilsner would be a traditional like American mm-hmm. lager, like it. Right. It's, it's that traditional so that's why American you like beer. It it's a more, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's definitely very easy to drink. Step up from Coors Light. It's yeah. a step up from Coors Light. I get very little flavor out of it. There's not a lot of flavor. There's not a lot of flavor at all. Like it's 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 so simple and easy to drink. You literally just you can literally just keep. Well, we're three in, so you know, it's, <laughs> it's pretty lightweight. Lightweight. <laughs> wow. No, no, no. We've we've had some uh, serious beer. Like we've learned to cut ourselves there you off go. because yeah, we've. Uh going to keep it to a split a six pack instead of each get our own. yeah there you yeah, go yeah. Some, there you good, go. good you guys uh, have control we've got self-control now in uber well well we had to learn the hard way i mean some of the early podcasts uh they definitely uh maybe consume too much uh, it was beverages a, it was a pints podcast it was a pints podcast With a little bit of polishing there you go <laughs> I like it. all right so um Let's let's get to the main premise. We, you know, I know you guys got to run. I think you guys got a little bit of a jog back. Um, we'll skip a lot of the content that we want to go into, which is fine because you know we we chase some good rabbits. Um, but let let's go into the. You know, there's a lot of detailers with the dream of having their own product line. Tell us about like between both of you, like. Mm-hmm. Bob, what was it that made you reach out to Rennie? Rennie, what was it that made you like? Did you always want your product line? Like, walk us through. I'll let Bob go first, and then and then we'll talk about my desires because it will probably tie into that pretty good. You know, it's it, it's actually um, well, I, I think it's a unique story because you know we we uh, had done a couple of events together. Uh, we had connected in Monterey in an event called McCall's Motorworks Revival event. Which is a twenty coming on its twenty seventh year. It's the it's the largest party hosted in Monterey. Kind of the 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 Wednesday prior to the big events during Monterey Car Week, and it's an event at the Monterey Jet Center for four thousand people, and it's a big party. And uh, Gordon McCall has been a friend of mine 
for 30 plus years and he started out a detailer. It's, it's a really inter- interesting story. And I would urge you, I could get him on your podcast. Oh, I'll tell you, you what, it. that, that would it. be an amazing story. He's a detailer that Sold. turned into Sold. like, I mean, it's mind boggling really is. So anyway, you know, Diane and I were talking at McCall's one night, Diane had had a couple of glasses of wine, you know, mm-hmm. and it just kind of started that, you know, Rennie was working for, with another company, obviously. And she says, well, you know, Bob, have you ever thought about Rennie going to work for you? And I go, yeah, but I, I could never ask him. Right. Mm-hmm. I said, I, I can't ask him because we're too good of friends. I don't want to I don't, I don't want to break. I don't want to cross that barrier. Well, I, I went down to Rennie's shop one time and I left there and I called my wife. I said, you know what? Here's my goal. I want Rennie as my spokesperson, but I'm not going to tell him. I just want to do so much, so many cool shit that he's going to want to come work for me. Right. So. We just kept doing cool events after cool events and cool events. And then I went down to his shop again and I walked into his shop and he goes, he looks at me, he goes, Bob, we're good friends, right? I'm like, of course we're good friends, Randy. What's going on? He goes, okay, I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a while. My deal with my current company is up in a month. And he goes, you know what? I want to come to work with you and I want it to be the last deal I do. And, and I remember when he said that I had to go out to my car and I went out to my car and I got inside the car and I went, fuck yeah. <laughs> it happened, you know, so it was really cool. And then, um, but we, we just kind of talked about working together, it had nothing to do with the product line. It was like the furthest thing we were going to do. And then we started talking about a, doing a product line and I go, it'd be really cool. We should just do a signature series. Right. And I said, well, Randy, we should have your name on the bottle. And he says, Bob, I don't want my name on the bottle. And so he says, but Bob, when we're building the business plan, come down to Big Bear. I got this guy that's this marketing guy. He's, he's just, he's sharp. I said, Randy, you know what? I'm, I'm willing to listen to anybody. I'll come down there. Let's do it. So I come down there. I got a couple sample bottles of how the product's going to look and stuff like that. And, you know, one had his Rennie's name on it and the other one didn't because Rennie didn't want his name on it. He goes, I, I just don't think that, I, I don't think that's the right thing to do, Bob. And so we literally sit down and within five minutes, you guys, within five minutes, Rennie's marketing guru said, well, Rennie, how come this bottle doesn't have your name on it? If you don't get your name on it, what the hell are you selling? Right. And so he lost that battle. And then, um, you know, the rest is history. Double black. We, we pioneered that because we're both extreme skiers and we Googled it and we thought it was cool and we wanted some universal symbol that kind of set a standard. And so, boy, it just all came together. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, as I think the industry can see, it's, it's doing pretty good. It's doing incredible. We see it all over the place. Um, hey, so another rabbit. What is your favorite double black diamond slope? Oh, you go first. Uh, wow, I got to think about that. Wow, right? Um, favorite double black diamond slope. All right, so I know mine. I don't know if it's a double black because I don't know that I've ever gone that far. Um, but the back bowl of Aspen. Oh, that's pretty good. Oh, it's yeah, so that's pretty good. It's well, there's not many people back there. And if you go after some fresh snow, oh, it's, about freaking yeah. Now. yeah, 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 that's, that's pretty good. That that's definitely top wow. five or 10 for me. It's definitely for me. And cause coming from Oklahoma, we really only go to one place. Right. And that's Colorado. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak up of mine because it's probably, it's iconic for me. It was the first cornice that I'd ever come off of and it just made a impact on me. So I'm going to say the cornice at Mammoth is probably the most memorable one. Dave's run. 
Dave's where, run. Dave's run at Mammoth? Yeah. Dave's run at Mammoth. Pretty yeah. hardcore. Or uh, what's Mammoth? Mammoth Mountains in uh, the Southern Sierra here in California. And probably second from that is Greyhawk, uh, Upper Greyhawk in Sun Valley, Idaho. Because my daughter did it when she was, uh, when she, she did her first double black when she was eight years old. And that one's pretty memorable. Yeah. I, I, I would, you know, there's some great spots in Utah. Uh, there's some great runs at Alta, and I, I don't yeah, even know wow. the name Kirk, of the runs. Kirkwood, Kirkwood, top, top of Kirkwood. Yeah, pretty... there's. Um, I would have to say Snow Basin is an absolutely amazing mountain yeah. in uh, in Utah when the snow's right. Uh, it's it's not a super popular, sexy resort, um, but it's beautiful and amazing. And that's where the actually the men and women men and women's downhill was in um, in the Salt the Lake Olympics. Olympics. So. Um, yeah, you know what? Snow. That's it. Yeah. If it's good snow, it's it's a great day. So, yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, we don't get snow much here, so we have to drive it's quite pretty, a ways. Pretty cool because uh, our shop is in a in a ski town in Southern California, right? So we don't, you know, this last year we got like no snow. But our shop hours, when you get to the shop, is it says uh, shop hours. Uh, good snow day, we're closed. Uh, bad snow day, we're open. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So did you guys, have you ever transitioned or even attempted to move from the two planks to one plank and go snowboarding? I have. I know how to snowboard. My wife is single-minded, so she snowboards. Nice. Uh, Diana, love you. But, uh, you know, I, do, I did want to do it just because my kids picked it up, but all of my kids and myself migrated back to skiing. I never gave skiing up because it's such an art. It's something that I absolutely love. It's my passion. Um, but I did want to learn snowboarding, and I, I just didn't enjoy it as much as skiing. Yeah, it's interesting. When snowboarding first you know, came out, the first thing my wife bought me was a snowboard. And um, I, I understand why people like snowboarding, because the, the ramp up to become you know, pretty decent at snowboarding is pretty quick. You know, it's much quicker than skiing. Um, and, uh, and it's, and it, it's amazing, but I found that, you know, a lot of times the mountain can be limiting and, and frustrating for snowboarding. Right. A lot of resorts you go oh. to, you know, where they have a lot of, you know, transitions and things like this. So, you know, boarding, it's, it's just not, you can't do it. So, no. you know, it, it can be frustrating that way. And, and, and quite frankly, now with the ski changing wider, fatter skis, which, which snowboarding directly affected. Yeah. And, and the technology that they changed because of boarding you know now skiing is is just spectacular and, and quite frankly now skiing is easier than it's ever been because the, the equipment's much better yeah so i grew up skiing it wasn't until college that i went to rio Dosa, new mexico with my college roommate not too often do you go to a school of 1600 people and you magically get introduced and you become friends with a guy from midland texas whose grandparents owned an oil company so wow he was a very good mate to have yeah and uh took me to rio dosa new mexico and taught me how to snowboard and that first oh gosh that first morning was miserable you know that, that hey does he need any more friends <laughs> so you Do know what? rennie and i keep we we keep threatening to to say you know hey detailers we're going skiing Come on up. Come on up somewhere and just invite everybody to go to some city with a mountain somewhere and make it happen. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. Let's do it. Let's do it. 
It'll be my first time. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Well, you know what? In All off right. season, when I first opened up, reopened our shop back up after I sold, was in Sun Valley, Idaho. I was a ski instructor at one of the hardest ski schools to get into, Sun Valley, Idaho. Um, so you know what? You got a built-in instructor. Hey, the funny thing about me is when you make comments like that, I hold you to it. So do it. I'm gonna start love, both of you. Love, right? love to teach skiing, man. I still love it all these years later. All right, cool. All right, so let's get towards the end. Uh, give us. We said two things, but uh, given time co- constraints, give us one thing, uh, each of you, and then DJ will go. Oh, actually, we're going to start with DJ because DJ's 30, and we're going to go through that generational gap. So, DJ, at 30, give us one thing that a young guy that's just getting into the business could do to ensure his success once he reaches 30. That's a good question. I- I would have to say be conservative in your expenses. So not to do things cheap by any means whatsoever, but you don't have to have the latest and greatest of everything on the market. You don't have to have what the hype is like work your business, you know, go through the trials and errors and so forth and just, and just make it happen. You don't have to have the the newest and greatest groups all the time or whatever the polisher is or flex or whatever it is. Just, you know, just work your business, do what it needs to do. I mean, that's just, I mean, a lot of guys are like dumping a lot of money into all this new equipment and stuff all the time, but reinvest into, how about marketing? Transfer that money over to marketing. If what you're using is working and you're making a profit off of it and you're making money with what you're doing detailing, then take, you know, take that extra money and put it into Facebook ads or Instagram ads or whatever it is to get your name out more opposed to trying to find the next best polisher and boasting about it on a group on Facebook. So, I don't know. That's just my advice for the young guys. Yeah, because that happens a good lot. Good advice, man. It's good advice. I don't, I, don't follow, I don't follow the groups a lot anymore too much because it's just it's gotten too much. But it's a lot of like, hey, look what I'm doing. Hey, look what I just bought. Hey, look what I'm doing. Like, focus on your business. Reinvest in your business. Like, get your, get your name out in your local community and put your time and effort in your local community. And when you become, you know, to where you have – four or five trucks like you know then then you can you know do that but well you you just hit something important too stop talking to detailers too go talk to your go talk to your market yeah talk to your market man like that's what there's no point in getting online and talking to other detailers nationwide and showing how you know this isn't a trying to be you know we're not going to piss on trees and stuff you know market like it's just Talk to your market, market to them because they're the one paying your bills. They're the one paying your mortgage, Amen. paying your car, whatever it is. That, that's who's paying your bills, and that's who. That's what your name really relies at is with them. You want your name to be solid with your local community. So, you know, once that's solid, cool. Then you can go and teach other detailers stuff, and like, you know, I wouldn't say go brag to them, but like, you know, go teach some stuff. Go, go educate. Go t- tell someone that was your age, you know, how to do it better. Well, I think it comes from talked multiple times on the podcast about whenever we talk about social media marketing, how many are, detailers, all they want to do is brag do. about what they've done. It's my pet peeve. It really is. Yeah. Like, just go go get your clients in your community, and the rest is whatever you want to do. Is instead of just making posts where you're bragging about the work you did, which is cool, we all love to do, like, we're so passionate about what we do, and it translates into that's all we want to talk about. But if we want to take this passion and make it a profit, 
we might ought to take some of that passion and generate it towards let's talk business. educating yeah let's talk business potential clients of course how to you know what's your target correctly. market like, yeah let's 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 go you know i always tell yeah, people you know yeah. i see a lot of people on facebook but i don't see a lot of detailers in line at the bank you know man go, that's so, go, go make some is, deposits man exactly. you know, stop talking stop, right. stop talking so much and make oh. some deposits there. So me at 40, all right, uh, for me at 40, looking back, and I think, what, I'm 16 years into it, I would think for me, if I'm going to tell somebody that's just getting into it, is work your fucking ass off and don't buy stupid shit. Yeah. Um, I said at a, younger, at, a, at a younger version. I guess. Marty, I don't know. Like, should really, can you hold back and, and say that clear? <laughs> Uh, one more time. Let me hear one more time. Work your fucking ass <laughs> off and don't buy stupid shit. Nice. Yeah. So the reason for that is because you see so many people that their only office hours are from such and such. You know, when I started, like, I didn't have office hours. Like, I found whatever I could do to make money. And if I needed to clean concrete at a bank or at a restaurant and then detailed in the morning, like, there was times I only got four or five hours of sleep because I was out till two in the morning cleaning a Sonic restaurant. Amen. And then I had a that needed me there at 7 a.m. So, you know, I just worked. I didn't party except, mm. you know, that one spot that had $2 beers, you know, but for the most part, I didn't go blow a bunch of money at trips or go party all the time or buy a bunch of crap. I just worked. And then you know, as money comes in, another thing I see a lot of young guys do is they want to post photos and put it out on, you know, all this money on their bed, or they want to show all the different stuff they bought, like reinvest it, reinvest like, it, man. put it back into your business. Yep. Amen. Stop buying stupid. Amen. Like, Amen. Put it in your business and grow it that way. Like if you really want to make a actual career out of it, you need to learn to put your money back into your business not necessarily blowing it on, oh, I need a bigger this, or I need a this, or, oh, I need that. No. That, that, that mindset in, 40, in 20, 40 years, I mean, you're not, really, not going to be anybody. But if you switch it and do what you guys are doing, you know, what we're doing is just you're going to actually have something that, you know. Yeah. All right. So, Bob, at 54, and I think, Renny, you said 54. Right. Renny's next. So, Bob, at 54, yeah. uh, you, you know, what, what do you recommend? What do you think? Well, you know, definitely stay focused on your business. But one of the things I see, uh, I see young detailers doing is, you know, they want to be something that they're not. And we talked to a gentleman the other day. He goes, I started in this business and I wanted to be, you know, the, 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 the fancy car detailer. And he, and he goes, after two years, I figured out, you know, I need to really just focus on my business and, and just be a real detailer. Nice. Because you can't just flip the switch and be, you know, I hate that term high end detailer, but you, you can't just flip the switch and become that guy. And you can't just expect that to happen. You know, you can't just build a building and expect them to come. You know, a lot of those guys, they've earned it. You know, they've done a great job investing in their business and they focused on what they are. And, and some people get lucky, but usually, you know, most of these guys that had their businesses, detailers where their businesses evolved. And they got a ton of sweat equity. They got a ton of street cred. And they turn into these amazing detailers that they don't, they can't exactly put their finger on how they got there. So 
you know, I see young guys get in this business and they go, you know, I'm only going to do, uh, this is what I, here's, here's the work I'm going to do. And I go, quite frankly, um, you got to be grounded, humble, invest in your business and stay focused and, and be true to your craft. And if you do those things, then you're going to be successful. That's exactly it. Like I was, I talked to Marty, I texted him the night. I said, Hey man, I'm in this predicament. I'm in this growing pain of like, I can completely pull out of the field right now and not detail a car of my life ever again and hire someone to do it. Or cause I've got a big opportunity ahead of me, or should I grind it out and work and blah, 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 blah. He's like, dude, you got to keep grinding. Like you're not done yet. It's like, or, oh, man, you're right. Or DJ, you know, you mentioned something there. It's really cool. I see a lot of detailers. It's just don't forget you're a detailer. Still work on other stuff. Right. right? Exactly. Just yeah. don't forget about your business. Take don't, the meeting. Don't, don't forget what, you know, don't forget what made you stay in your craft exactly. as long as you can. And then if other things start to blossom, then fine, go after it, but don't just all of a sudden right. go, okay, I'm going to shut that down and I'm going to instantly do this. You can't do that. Exactly. Yeah. That's so true, man. That is so true. All right. So Rennie, What's your recommendation for a young detailer that wants to make a career? What what do they need to make sure that they do? I'm going to take and I'm going to have one main topic with like three segues right off of it quickly, and that's work work of smart, course. not hard. And what I mean by that is that you know doing search and rescue, being in the military, and still a reservist. My wife's a reservist. Um, I've seen a lot of nasty shit. What humans will do to other humans, what humans get themselves oh. into. I've watched. Too many people, like more people than I can count, take their last breath. I've seen people with their bodies torn to pieces. I've seen things that most humans shouldn't see. So, A, when, when I say work harder, work smarter, not harder, is you've got to pay. What I see a lot of small um, solopreneurs doing is they don't gift themselves time. They work, 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 work. And you know what? All that's going to happen out of that is you're going to get burned out and you're not going to be a person that attracts the right kind of client. Uh, the second part of that is you've got to have a written plan. Don't buy into this Harvard bullshit of, of having a business plan that's, you know, going to qualify for bank loans. If you're going for that, great. You're going to have to build that at some point. I've been there. We're financing some stuff right now. It's not fun. But my business plan is my business plan. I make it, I make it on the fly. It, it's very flexible. I change it every quarter, every six months, because things change really quickly. I adapt and don't be afraid of reinventing yourself because as things change in the industry and your priorities change, you've got to be able to take willing and able to change of, of customer, younger customers, uh, the millennials and sub millennials are a completely different group of people. Uh, there's a lot of money to be made after him, but you've got to be able to adapt. So work smart. This bullshit of just work hard nonstop and you're going to get there. You know what? If you don't have the right passion, if you don't have the right mindset and you're not enjoying life, you ain't going to do shit. Love it, man. You guys killed it on that. Hey, so we've got the final segment of what we do is called tipsy topic question. I think a shot. Well, right. yeah, because you already killed all three of your beers. And I'm <laughs> almost. And so by this time of the podcast, we're usually at three to maybe four. Well, like it could, yeah, DJ two might be at six. six. I mean, we're, we're typically thrown into the beer quite a bit. And so we have a tipsy topic where uh, it's all holds bar, sort of like you're at like 1.30 at night at the bar and you're up there with that dude and he just asked you the most random right. question. 
That's what this time it. is. Are you I ready? I dig it. All right, DJ. Who's going first? Is it Bob or is it Rennie, Marty? What's it going to be? Um, let's go with Rennie. All right, Rennie. Listen, so you're in Mexico, right? You're on vacation with your wife, right? right? All right, so it's hot as fuck. Like, it is so gosh damn hot outside right now. And you're chilling. Everyone's having a good time. You're having a cigar. She's having a margarita, blah, blah, blah. Are you or are you not wearing your beanie and sunglasses? I'm definitely wearing the sunglasses, not wearing the beanie. <laughs> Here's the deal. You want truth about it? I've, got, I've always been. You go all the way back. My grandma, you know, it was an issue. One of the reasons even at SEMA, and, and Bob will tell you, my sunglasses don't leave my head because I've got real sensitivity to light. And so even indoors, there's times you'll see me pull these sunglasses down. I've just got a real sensitivity to light. I've got super light eyes that don't adjust well to light. So if I'm out partying, well, there's part two, part two. We're in Mexico. We're on a beach. I'm taking it, right? What? There's some senoritas walking by. My, sungla- my sunglasses are dark. Now, I've, I've got a cool wife, though, because she's going to be pointing them out to me. Yeah. Heck yeah. Hey, there's no doubt. I mean, my tipsy topic question to you, Rennie, is how does it feel to have an Oklahoma wife? Like She's like you. You know, here's the deal, man. Boise State, Oklahoma, Boise State beat – or we beat them, right? Yeah, I don't – I didn't really want to talk no. about that, yeah. Rennie. Like – that's still a sore subject with that, you know, that fluke of a play, you know, but, you know, I, I, since you brought it up, you know. Here, here's Oklahoma's got a, a national championship. We don't. But you know what? My, my wife's wholesome outlook on life comes from Oklahoma. Her roots, while she was raised in California, her fundamental foundation of life comes from Oklahoma. She's the woman she is because of her grandpa you know, his input and her grandparents, uh, her aunt and uncles. And dude, she's just a cool chick. I like, and she's hot and she's, I, I dig Oklahoma. We did beat them, but they got national championships. We don't. Yeah. Out of respect. I can't say she's hot, but I'll tip my hat. She's hot. She's my hot baby. (laughs) When, when we were at, uh, I think it was last year, we were at the IDA meet and greet at SEMA. And I had asked the question, hey, how do we get the little IDA bag, you know, that little sticker? And somebody, people were like, oh, we're out, we're out. Your wife walked over and she just, you know, tapped me on the arm. I was like, oh, yeah, hey, you know, she's like, here, here's one. I was like, that's pretty, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, she's cool people, man. We make a good team. 20, 25 plus years together, four kids. Uh, we're rocking it. Heck yeah, man. And and I think I I think if we go into what makes a man successful, I've always felt that it's it's a team effort. It's Absolutely. not just the man. Like always has to be a woman that will support the man all the way through. And that's what makes the team Hey, successful. it's part of working smart because if you don't share your dreams with your spouses, your partners, your staff, your employees. It goes nowhere. And Diane's always brought it. She's, I'm lucky. She's always, we, she's always bought into my dreams because they've always involved getting the family ahead and what's better for the family. There's a, the only time I failed in modern times is the times that I let my ego get out of check and I did it for me. When I did it for my family or on opposite, when I started paying myself dividends 
and made myself a better man by spending time at the gym, by taking care of myself, by reading, by taking time off, by getting more involved in search and rescue of truly, truly putting more into, you know, my military career. When I made it about giving to other people and made my family the center of it, guess what? Success chases my ass down. Nice. All right, Bob, you're on the hot seat. Mm. You're at the bar with DJ. Let's see, Bob. That's you know, uh, it's always been. What you know, it's hold on, been, I got to see your ID. It's always been my dream to be at the bar with DJ. <laughs> it is. It is. It. I've got three kids, and my oldest is eight, so you don't need to see okay. my ID. Shoot. All right. So, Bob, I wouldn't really want to know. Like when you come, there's a new product you got to have. It's 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 a new product. I want to know when PNS can come up with a longevity pill because you're like what 54 going on 30. Like we need that longevity pill. I want to take it now so when I get 54, <laughs> I can look like. So you're pretty. When you're 54. It, it may it may include staying out of bars, but just keep going. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I think the question is what like how do you get to be 54 and still look so good, or as Rennie calls it, the prettiest uh, guy there. <laughs> Okay. He, he hates me. I hate. I. I it's okay. It's about to vomit. But anyway, uh, no, I'm actually fifty. I'm actually fifty six. But um, you know, it's just life in moderation, guys, and good genes, man. That's what it is. Life in moderation and good genes. That's all it is. Just take it one day at a time. Do a little fitness. Have a little fun. Enjoy His whole life. family's pretty. Philip's yeah. gang's pretty. Like light jeans. What are we? Pretty. Pretty uh, fun. No, it has nothing to do with darker lines. Okay, okay, okay. No, no. Uh, I think it – so the California lifestyle compared to Oklahoma, um, when you say in moderation, I mean, walk us through, like, what's your meal plan, oh. what's your exercise like, where are you at? Because here in Oklahoma – This week? Eat, drink some beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, my wife's not listening. No, actually, no, I can, I can tell the truth. No, uh, you know – Quite frankly, we just eat healthy, right? I just don't overeat. I do exercise probably three or four times a week, but I'm not like crazy about it. But then I do go crazy, right? Yeah, it's he's, like he's crazy so, about it. He so the deal pockets. is, I, I, you know, I'll just do half hour, hour, you know, two, three, four times a week, and then one week I, I don't exercise. I don't, I don't beat up over it, and then you know, one day I'll I'll uh, do something for two and a half hours. You know, I just I think the thing is for me is. I just love an active lifestyle and I always want to be able to perform in an active lifestyle. I want to be able to have fun athletically. So it's just a priority and eating. I, I, it's not, I don't know. It's not that difficult. I just try and eat right. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I, number one, I don't, I do not eat fast food. I can guarantee you that. Um, I've never seen you eat fast. food. I do not eat fast food. It will not, I will not eat it. Uh, I think. Yeah. So, is a lot of that the California lifestyle? Because so, you know, as my daughters moved out there in 2017 and I'll go visit, it's so hard to find a fast food. Like here, fast food is on oh, every man. corner Literally and maybe every. like four on every corner. So, but in California, San Diego, where they're at, like you find fast food. So some of that might be the California aspect. Is that... Do you think that's true? Maybe, but we got plenty. Yeah, of we got places yeah, yeah, out yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. You go to San Bernardino County, where I'm from. Uh, they got the same problem in Oklahoma. People are plump and happy. I think one of the challenges, though, is that you know sometimes it's it takes work to eat healthy. So you gotta you gotta be prepared to say, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do something else. You know, you got to turn it down, right? So 
And it's just, you know, it's just, like I said, everything in moderation, no magic formula. Cool. Dude. Hey guys, thank you so much. I know we went way over. Yeah. We had fun. We had fun. Doing, and you guys got a couple hour drive, I think. So thank you so much for the amount of time that you guys have taken. Give us your social media handles so people can hit you guys up on Instagram, Facebook, wherever. Like, so Bob, what's your social media? Uh, Instagram is PNS Detail Products. And uh, that's it. Yeah, just PNS Detail Products, social media handle. Yeah. What about over on Facebook? Facebook? Bob Phillips. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Uh, my Instagram cool. is going to be Rennie Doyle. And then on uh, Facebook, uh, I'm Friend Tapped Out. So go to Detailing Success and follow us there. You're a big deal. So everyone on here knows them already. They're already friends. Yeah. You're tapped out. Tapped wow. out. Tapped, tapped out. out. Once you're over five grand, you're tapped out, right? Yep. Five grand, tapped out. Nice, man. That's awesome. Uh, DJ. Uh, yeah, Instagram is at, at DJ Patterson, or the business is at EcoGreenMD, whichever one you want to choose. And I am uh, Marty with Total Auto Solutions, and we are, that's what we are, is Instagram, Facebook, at Total Auto Solutions. So, Rennie, tell us again, close, what is the place that you have your cigar um, hangout so detailers can come and just, I mean, we love that concept of community. Uh, we had Justin from uh, the IDA president on, which I think we're all part of the IDA. Um, and we were talking last week on a meet and greet hard on community and what it means to be a part of an association and a part of a community. So I love the idea that you just want to hang out and smoke cigars with some other detailers. Tell us at SEMA where that is and where people can go. Hey, it's going to be at uh, it's on Wednesday night every SEMA week. Uh, it's at the rum bar that is in the Mirage, and it's at starts at seven. And uh, I take I bail out of there about ten or eleven, but when, from what I've been told, uh, there's some people that hang out just a tad longer than that. So um, it uh, it's a great event at the rum bar there at the Mirage, uh, seven o'clock. We're there a little earlier than that. Uh, it's a it's a come in and go out. So we've got detailers coming in all evening uh, and then leaving. You know, there's a lot of events, a lot of tight. You know, you got to have dinner. Uh, there is food right there uh, if you want to get it. You don't have to smoke cigars. It's nice if you want to have, you know, I don't, I'm not a drinker, but I'll have a, a good a good cigar and a nice tea. And there's uh, about 300 of our best detailing buddies that are uh, uh, hanging out from brand new guys to uh, uh, the old guys. It's just a great time. Awesome. We will encourage everybody to go. So right. hopefully that will continue to grow for you, man. Hey. Thank you so much. You got. Make sure to send me the link over to your guys' event. Uh, give me the details, and I'll uh, I'll get that out to our network, and we'll get it out to uh, our spheres of influence, and we'll we'll support you guys. Awesome. Yeah, we're we're going to be on Tuesday night at the Gordon Biersch Brewery. Uh, Bob, you said you've been. Oh yeah, a few times. A few times. I've been there a lot. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we we started just well. Dan, when I Dan, was out- Dan Gordon started in Palo Alto, so. Oh, nice. Yeah. So know all about that. So, little connection yeah yeah when so when i was out there for the uh car wash show that was one of my you know it was definitely to go around the car wash show but then it was also to tour around and meet some different breweries so that we could find a place to host so they've been great to work with and uh it's going to be that tuesday night from eight to ten all the beer you can drink between eight to ten um but the first 75 people so we will be there with bells on
Hey, thank you guys thank so you. much for your time. I really appreciate it. Have a safe trip, and uh, thank you so much for everything you guys do in our industry. Thanks, guys. guys. Thanks for thanks for bringing us on. Absolutely. Thanks for coming Later. on. Later. Later.